Hello, I'm Joshua Vickery. And I'm Mary Thompson Hunt. Welcome to From the Heart. Central Florida is widely known for its tourist spots and attractions, but many people don't know about its thriving arts community. On this show, we are excited to introduce to you talented and passionate artists who shape our arts community. How do they create and why? And how can Central Florida benefit from an even greater arts presence? On each episode, we'll introduce you to guests who are influential leaders and artists who are truly making a difference. From the heart. Hello, Mary. Hi, Joshua. <laughs> how are you? Fantastic. How was your week? Oh, uh, it was excellent. It was uh, super duper busy, but it was wonderful. We launched the spring choir season on yeah, Monday and then yes. launched our inaugural night of our dance program, our ninth program wow. of Central Florida Community Arts. We had 43 dancers that came out to the first kind of dance experience. So that was super fun. We're already, we've been already uh, offering programs for kids mm-hmm. in dance. Um, so we we decided we would offer one for uh, for dancers too. You know, we've always had great dancers for our big shows. Sure do. But then they go away after that show. Mm-hmm. They don't have a community to belong to. And our mission is connection and, and having artists be able to be a part of a community. And yes. so we're like, that's the one piece that we're missing as a place for dancers to belong. So you didn't mention Hunchback, which was amazing. Yeah, it really was. Congratulations! Great. Yeah, super excited. We had about four thousand people seat over two nights. So. That was a, it was so great to see it so crowded. It yeah. was re- and and Jason's like, why don't they do it more? That's just two nights. I'm like, yeah, but they did get a lot of people here. But you probably yeah. could. Yeah, Beautiful it's one of those job. shows that we could have probably run for a while. Mm-hmm. It was so so well done and. You know, I I thought I knew a lot about musical theater, but I was not. I was didn't know this score, um, and it really is glorious. Uh, the music is incredible. It's a Stephen Schwartz and Alan Menken mm-hmm. collaboration. Um, so you know, think like you know, Beating the Beast and and Wicked meet each other. You know, it's like <laughs> yes. it really was. It is incredible. And when you have the way that we do Broadway shows, is putting a big choir on the stage and a big symphony orchestra and a talented cast. So yeah, it was super fun. We had a a, a great, great time. Um, but I can't believe it's over already. Yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations to you and Thank the whole you. team. Just and beautiful. I also saw Romeo and Juliet with the Orlando Ballet this weekend. Oh, nice. And it was just beautiful. And the Orlando Philharmonic uh, played the live score of Romeo and Juliet. I mean, Tchaikovsky, that score is one of the like best ballet mm-hmm. scores. Mm-hmm. And it was Gorgeous, simply oh, gorgeous. I have to make that next time. Simply gorgeous. What about you? What's going on? Um, well, you know, in light of, I started thinking about my high school years in light of what's happened at the high school yeah. in Florida. And by the time this airs, it won't be a shock to anyone hearing it. But I, I had this memory. When I was in ninth grade, I it was the first time we had to change classes in different rooms. And I was sitting in this room that was choir, but I didn't sign up for choir. And while we were waiting for the teacher to come in, everyone was singing from the last season's concert because they all knew the words. They were s- sophomores, juniors, and seniors. I was a freshman. Right. And it was so joyful and so beautiful that I decided to stay in the <laughs> class. And I ended up being president of the choir for two years. Really? Mm-hmm. I, Are you a soprano or alto? I sang tenor. <laughs> I was a second soprano, but they needed a tenor, and I went, I'll do it. And Of I, course you did. Of course I did. <laughs> and, and I still keep in touch with one on Facebook of one of the other tenors. There. So how did you end up in the choir room? I just, I, it was on my schedule. I but think it was God. Ah. I mean, I think it was a God blink. You know, it was a mistake that wasn't a mistake. I just loved it. Was that one of your first exposure to the arts? No, no. I You were already in drama. Flute. Okay. Um, I had always played flute and then I was even playing guitar. I taught myself that. So, and in fourth grade I was in choir, but I didn't sign up for 
I wasn't in choir in junior high. I was in plays. Mm -hmm. But I just loved these people. They sang around me, and they sounded good, and they knew harmonies, and they were having fun. I'm like, no, I'll stay. (laughs) (laughs) Better than home economics? I mean, what are the other elective courses? It changed my life in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's awesome. But I thought, I never told you that. So that was how I serendipitously, uh, I was even in church choir for a while, but no, I, yeah. Do you remember a piece from that high school choir that was just so moving to you that you performed? Well, uh, there was a group. We sang a cappella. What was the name? Magical group. Magicals, yeah. I was in that. It was a, a little pullout group. And I remember, I used to call it magical because it was so magical when we'd sing. And we were really good. Yeah. And I think that was my favorite thing. It was a smaller group, but there was just, it. you really depend on each other. You depend on each other to hit the right note mm-hmm. so that I can hit the one above yours or below mm-hmm. you and and you feel together. And uh, it's a neat experience singing with a choir. Well, I yeah. don't have to tell you this. Yeah, have <laughs> <laughs> done a few things with a choir. But, you know, I don't think I knew. And listeners, Mary Thompson Hunt is a fabulous singer. I don't think I even knew you were a singer singer until... Like a year ago, because oh, we, we were at I that just party saw, with Carol. Yeah, we, you did, because I've always just thought of you as a as an actress. You know, a great comedian, an improv performer, and voiceover artist, and just more in the acting realm. And then you sang at that karaoke, <laughs> uh, you know, fun re- scholarship party, yes. party that we did to raise money, and you tore it up. And I was like, "Ooh, Mary Thompson Hunt is a singer." Well, uh, it was great. Interesting. I give myself more permission to sing full out when I improvise more than when it's really written because then I'm thinking about it. Yeah. When you improvise, you don't have time to think about it, which sounds counter. Uh, intuitive, but you have to just let it come through you. And I should have known that you sang in the all the improv shows, and that's just mm-hmm. part that's just part of the gig. But mm-hmm. but I didn't. So that makes sense that you had a couple of years of choir in high school. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fun story. So we have a great show today. I'm very I mean, excited about. I don't this know if day. we've ever had a bad show, Mary. Really? No. I mean, we've had such good conversation on every one of mm-hmm. these shows, learning about artists and their work mm-hmm. and organizations, and di- diving deeper into the mission and impact of these Even organizations. Even some of them were sad, I remember, after Pulse, but they were still meaningful. Yeah, they were meaningful, and they were impactful mm-hmm. on not just, hopefully, you, the, our listeners, but for us, sitting around the table having the conversation, it was truly impactful. Mm-hmm. I remember when we talked to Cole and to Eric Jacobson and to Terry Olson and all those wonderful people yeah. who were part of Beautiful Together, and to hear their own personal journeys and stories during that time. Yes. Uh, it was powerful. It really was. You know, you just mentioned the listeners. For anyone listening out there, if you ever have a suggestion of someone you would like us to have on our show as a guest, please reach out to Joshua or myself because, we, you know, we're here for you. So it's your art, too. Absolutely. So today we're going to talk about the awesome Cornell Fine Arts Museum. And we love the Cornell. We love it because it's free, number one, mm-hmm. right? And then we're going to talk all about that, which I think is incredible. Uh, but on the show today, and Dr. Inna Heller is like, my girl, I love her. She's awesome. She's so, so smart, smart and so chill and, and so cool and mm-hmm. wonderful. And I've been to like house dinners with her and she's like the coolest person ever. And mm-hmm. then she can get up and deliver like these. She's worked at every major museum. It seems like yeah, around the world. She's really incredible. So uh, today we have on the show two of her awesome team members, Elizabeth Coltaire and Louise Buyo. That's right. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Welcome. Yes. So Elizabeth is the museum fellow. And uh, Louise is the K through 12 educator, leads the education programs. So welcome to both of you. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Elizabeth, what is a museum fellow? 
Well, my position, um, I wear many hats, but I work mostly in the curatorial department um, overseeing the docent program of volunteers. They're a wonderful team that learn the exhibitions that are coming up, learn to give tours at the museum and at the Alphand Inn. And so what's a docent? That's a cool word, but if, yeah. if we're listening, we don't. what does that mean? A docent is, um, in our circumstance, a volunteer who gives tours and helps with the interpretation of the works of art that are on view. So we offer highlights tours every Saturday at 1 at the museum, and the docents are typically leading these tours. They last about 45 minutes. And we also have tours at the Alphand Inn every Sunday at 1. Mm-hmm. Um, same kind of deal. So could Mary and I become a docent? Like, Yeah, definitely. Anybody can? Sign up. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you? how do you become a docent? What's the training look like? So um, there are two sort of different trainings for the different venues, but um, anybody who's interested can imply you don't have to have a background in the arts. I'm willing to work with anybody um, just so that the passion is there, you know? Um, And so you'll, you would learn about the history of the artist and the era that they lived in and maybe little fun facts that people might not know and maybe even how to interpret it. Yeah, exactly. And we go over all of that in the training Usually we meet once a month or so, maybe once or twice a month or so, and we go over everything there is to know. My it, husband's an artist. I'm his docent. Oh, yeah, nice. You are. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I came and visited his studio at, at Thabo, you were like, and this work is, and this work is, and you were you were a very good docent, Mary. I'm not inspired every piece. No, <laughs> he paints because of me. You're also, hired. So what is a fellow, what, what does that mean? Does that mean, is that a full-time position with the museum or... Yes, I'm working full-time with the museum. So um, in addition to working with the docents, I also work within the curatorial department on a number of research projects. Um, I give my own lectures and tours, um, and I also... um, You're teaching a class? Yes, I'm teaching a class (laughs) at Rollins, Lifelong Learning. Lifelong Learning? Yes. That's the class you're teaching, and does it deal with the arts? Um, my class does. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a couple of different offerings for seniors within the area. And um, my focus is actually on an exhibition that we have on view towards Impressionism. Nice. And what is some of your favorite things to lecture on? Oh, gosh. Well, last year I did a talk on our wonderful collection of watch keys oh. because my background is in decorative arts. So there are these wonderful jewelry items that were actually used to wind pocket watches for like 300 years. That's wow. very cool. Yeah. yeah, we have over a thousand of them in our permanent collection. You and guys, And you guys have a, speaking of collection, you have a huge collection of art, right? We do like, over 5,000 objects. Wow. wow. And where do you store all of these? I mean, because that's not how many are in the gallery. So where do they live? Oh, here and there. We have lots <laughs> I mean, really, that's the... In my <laughs> trunk and the, you know... <laughs> Come outside with me. My um, house looks great. <laughs> so we have on-site storage and then we have off-site storage. Okay. Yep. Speaking of, I, I, I literally just thought of this. Have you guys ever thought about or is this a thing to have like a mobile art gallery? You know, like they have bookmobiles or they have, um, you know, like uh, like ArtReach Orlando has like so a... a tour a, of sorts, are you saying? Well, yeah, like where you could, you know, set up inside of a bus like a little art gallery and then and drive it, it into neighborhoods or to schools <laughs> do you have that we, no not currently no. we've never done that most no. mostly what we do are exhibitions yeah. at other museums so right 
This you past know, fall, we had you'd one have to really insure that vehicle. Yeah, you'd yeah. have to if that if that vehicle got oh broken into. <laughs> there, there went the Van Gogh. But talk about <laughs> talk about accessibility though. That'd be kind of cool, you know, if you could pull it into a neighborhood somewhere and say, "Hey, the 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 Artmobile art is open," you know, today from ten to twelve. I, that's probably not even feasible, but <laughs> I love that idea. Who knows? I wonder if some museums done that before. I'm sure some have. Yeah. I'm sure some have. Yeah. So, Louise, what do you do as the education? What's your official title? I'm the education coordinator at cool. the Cornell Fine Arts Museum. And I work with kids and families and our K-12 students and adults occasionally mm-hmm. as well. So when you have like a small, passionate staff like what we have at the Cornell, everybody ends up doing a lot of different things. Sure. Tell so us. I do our outreach programs. I do our K-12 through tours. So public, private, homeschool groups that come to the museum, I'll give them tours. I'll do art activities with them. We have free family days um, that we offer to the public. When are those? Those are usually, um, they're once a month. The dates are on our website. Okay, cool. and give us the website address. It's at rollins.edu slash cfam. C-F-A-M. Cool, rollins.edu slash cfam. Very those, cool. The letter C. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Great. So, and so what are you, what are like some of the um, projects and stuff that kids might do? I mean, is it any kind of art project or? What we usually do is um, I will come up with projects that are related to the exhibitions on view. So for our most recent Sea Family Day, which was February 10th, so last week, we looked at Ruptures and Remnants, which is our permanent collection gallery. It's a it's several different uh, works of art that are on display, um, kind of thinking about how civilizations evolve and how art objects give us insight into those civilizations. So we had, um, gosh, what do we have? We had an Etruscan uh, clay rabbit. Yes, okay, so the kids got to make clay art animals, decorate them with terracotta clay, and yeah. And then we've done things like um, art journals, so the kids will, uh, they'll design their own cover, they'll construct different pages, and they'll put it all together and they'll have a book that they, maybe it's just an exploration of their ideas or their mm-hmm. thoughts, poems or images. But they um, created it. But they created mm-hmm. it, yeah. And it's all based on works that are on view. So Fantastic. they can awesome. they well, get to put be, themselves in the places of the artists. Cool. We're going to be coming back in just a little while. We want to hear more about the artists that they are. And folks, you're listening to From the Heart. I'm Mary Thompson Hunt here with Joshua Vickery talking to our friends from the Cornell Museum of Fine Art at Rollins. We'll be right back. Hello and welcome back to From the Heart. I'm Mary Thompson Hunt here with Joshua Vickery. And today we have the pleasure of talking with Elizabeth Coulter and Luis Bayou, both from Cornell Museum of Fine Arts at Rollins College. It is free. And I love that what you said just a little while ago, we made it free so the curious will venture in. That's mm. right. Yeah. Talk about that. Um, well, we are very passionate at the Cornell Fine Arts Museum about free admission. Uh, we became free in 2012 and we've stayed free since then. 
And we're the only free museum in Central Florida. And one of the reasons why I feel so strongly about that as a member, like as someone who works there, is just because I feel that um, we need to remove as many barriers as we can between people in the arts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, we want you to come to the museum if you've got two hours in your afternoon, if you've got five minutes between one meeting and the next meeting. This goes to the Rollins students. If you've just got like, <laughs> you know, if you want to cut through the museum on your way to another class, we want you to come to the museum. The art is there for the students. It's for the Central Florida public. For the public. Mm -hmm. Well, sometimes I think people think that when they go to a museum, they're not going to understand it, the work, or it's too lofty, or I don't know what I'm looking for. What do you say to someone who's maybe never been to an art museum who thinks they'd be out of place there? Mm -hmm. um, I would say that museums are filled with objects that were made by other human beings. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Oh. And so that alone should, I think, remove some of the idea that like art is foreign or it's something that we can't comprehend. I think we actually do a pretty good job of comprehending other human beings. And what do you say to someone when they look at the uh, piece of work? What are the questions they should ask themselves? They should ask themselves as many questions as come to mind. What do mm -hmm. I feel? What am I seeing? Yeah, mm -hmm. what do I feel? What am I seeing? Um, do I love it? Do I hate it? Do I feel indifferent towards it? Um, when do I think it was created? Um, what are some of the emotions um, that are going through? How was it put together? Um, mm. Yeah, those are asking as many questions as possible is how you kind of uh, enter into an art, a work of art. And so it's an experience the same way that uh, watching a performance is an experience or listening to music is an experience. And some things you know immediately that you enjoy mm -hmm. and some things you need more exposure to in mm. order to appreciate. And works of art are exactly the same. Some things you're going to immediately say, I've this touches something inside of me that I relate to this work of art immediately. And sometimes something is difficult and you come several times and you're like, I still don't know how I feel about this. And both of those experiences are, are, are valid and wonderful. Yeah. If someone walks into the museum and they want to ask a question about something, are there people like yourselves around that are available? Are they welcome to walk up to someone and say, hey, can you talk to me about this piece? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, take a tour. A tour is always possible. Our tours are free, just like our admission. Um, we have they daily. Uh, we have tours on Saturday and Sunday every week, uh, Saturday at the museum and Sunday at the Alphand Inn. We also do once a month a throwback Thursday tour where we explore a work of art from the permanent collection. Third Thursday of the month at 1230. Yep. Um, we, if you've got a group of friends of eight or more, you can reserve a free tour. Yep. So, oh, yeah. Grab your staff to go do that. That would grab be so Grab your staff, fun. your book club, your, if you've got family coming in for a reunion and you just want something to do while you're going to the parks and doing all sorts of other things, you can add this as one of those things that you can do. What a fun way to have a gathering with friends. We it have is. people come, you know, right after church on Sundays or um, or maybe they're on campus to see something from the Bach Festival or something mm -hmm. and they just come in half an hour before they go to their musical performance. Do you or brunches. Or brunches. Brunches are very brunches. popular near Park Avenue. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. distance. Do you partner with uh, other areas of Rollins College to have performances in there? Like, do you ever have a musician or a poet or actors? Yeah, yeah. we've done things before with uh, the theater department and the music department. Mm -hmm. We've had an open house and we've um, had student choirs uh, participate or also individual singers um, 
um, we do so many collaborations mm-hmm. with so many different organizations that it's hard to kind of keep up like and think of something specific but we do but you do yeah, yeah so that's, yeah. that kind of keeps it live and lively mm-hmm. yeah. we've that's played cool. live music during openings too um i've partnered in the past with um the winter park public library for example uh, if there's an organization in the community that wants to partner with the museum in some capacity we're always open to that oh i Maybe maybe Will from Favo, Faith yeah. Arts Village Orlando might. I don't know. Do you ever um, do things with local artists? With on like occasion, yeah. on occasion, yeah. Uh, yeah. We but have our lecture series too. Sometimes we have artists speak, and sometimes we bring in artists from the community as well. Nice. That's cool. So free admission for 2018 because of PNC Financial Services Group. We mm-hmm. should probably give them a shout out. That's yeah. a huge deal, you know, for museum to be free yes. all year round yes. is great. And then also just wanted to mention that on Tuesdays, you guys are available and open until seven. So yeah. the other days looks like it's at till four. Mm-hmm. So if there's a time you want to go after work, mm-hmm. Tuesday is the day. Go mm-hmm. and check it out. Or Twilight Tuesdays. Twilight Tuesdays. Twilight Tuesdays. I, I like that. that. And Sunday brunch day. So Elizabeth, tell us, why did you choose this career path? Why did you want to work in an art museum? What moment in your life made you go, hmm, I think this is something that speaks to me? And did you study it at school? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have always been fascinated by museums at a very young age. I grew up in New Jersey, so I was very close. I was in Mount Olive, which is the northwestern part of the state. Montclair. Oh my gosh, so close. <laughs> so, you know, being so close to New York City and not so far from Philadelphia and even having museums in New Jersey too, I just was always drawn, always looking forward to family day trips. And when I got to college, I went to Rutgers University and pretty much right off the bat started taking art history classes and then found myself signing up semester after semester and really made it a priority and fell in love with it. Mm. Um, And then I went on to study my master's at George Mason University and the Smithsonian Associates in the History of Decorative Arts program. So continued into my I bet your home is decorated beautifully. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) (laughs) And what brought you to, to Rollins and to Cornell and to Winter Park? Well, I was just looking at the different types of opportunities and This position just sounded right up my alley. It was, Mm. you know, this great opportunity to dig my hands into a lot of different aspects of the museum. And I was just so excited about the collection. And I've now been at the museum for about a year and a half. Mm. Is there the the quintessential museum that one day you would love to be a part of Uh, somewhere in this world? (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, I don't know, because I really love where I am right now, but... (laughs) Good answer, good answer. <laughs> I was thinking that too. I really put her on the spot. But, you know, with the Louvre, I've always sure. wondered. Oh, yeah, the Louvre, of course. You know, yeah. Um, well, being a love, uh, in love with the decorative arts, I've always loved the V&A in London. Mm. So that's a top one. Of course, the Louvre is beautiful. And I've always been a fan of the Met too, you know, nice. so close to home. Mm-hmm. So you, you, of course, love art and you are passionate about it. And as a lecturer and as a curator and all these things, what are you hoping to instill in others? What is like your, your drive uh, now as a career? What do you, what do you hope, how do you hope to move the needle when it comes to love and appreciation of art? Well, I think a true joy of my position is really getting to interact with the community and 
in giving tours, I start to see people shift when they um, experience the artwork and find a new passion and love themselves. And I think that's always been a priority of mine to help people engage with the arts, even if maybe they're a little nervous about something or interpreting something that by the end of their visit, by end of their time there, that they'll start to have a love like mine, I guess. Mm, I Maybe that. that's selfish. No, <laughs> no, no, when, not at when all. it's the greatest thing you have in your life and you want to share that, yeah. that's a gift. Exactly. Well, mm. and art is beautiful, so it's not like you're trying to share something that's not with them. I mean, it's great. True. Louise, what about you? How did you fall in love with art and get started on this pathway? Um, gosh, when I was little, I was in an art museum and I don't even remember Where'd which you grow one. up? I grew up I grew up here. Mm. So I was born in New York and we lived in Poinciana until I was about 15 years old. And now my family lives in Kissimmee. So I'm as local as it gets. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Do you commute from Kissimmee? I do. I commute. Yes. <laughs> and that's, that shows you how much I love where I yes, work. Yes. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good that's, little commute. That's so I was it a local art gallery or art museum? No, or? I think it probably was in New York. I think I was visiting um, family for this summer. It probably was the Metropolitan or MoMA or something. And, um, you know, there was this moment where I think, like, just emotion overcame me. And I, I think I probably cried in front of something. I was so moved. And the minute that you kind of have that kind of transportation um with an art form um if it's visual art or dance or music i mean you're hooked right right mm. that there's no coming back mm -hmm. after that like mary in her high school choir exactly right? like there's yeah, no turning you felt back the joy <laughs> and then there's once you feel that once there's room in your heart for that it's it's just like you want that feeling as many times as you can get it right mm -hmm. i want to feel this way every day mm -hmm. yeah. um and so uh i wasn't thinking about working in an art museum then i was a kid so I was thinking about making it. I just, I want to make it. I want to make something that makes people feel the same way that I did um, wandering around the art museum. And uh, I drove my parents nuts <laughs> because I collected all sorts of odds and ends. Um, I was one of those kids who was like, don't throw that away. I'm going to make art with that. Um, <laughs> and then uh, photography became my passion in my teenage years. I actually studied at Cray all day, so oh, nice, yeah. yes, uh, big ups to Peter Schreier mm -hmm. and the wonderful yeah. people over at Cray all day because I was one of the countless youth that came through that school. That's awesome. Um, and then uh, I went, and then I bounced around. I got to college and I didn't know what I wanted to do. So mm -hmm. where'd you go? Oh gosh, I went to the Pratt Institute first, mm -hmm. and then I ended up at the University of Miami, mm -hmm. and then yeah. I ended up at the University of Florida, and that's when finally, to my parents' relief. I graduated. <laughs> and by, by that time, um, I had picked up and put down all kinds of majors, but mm -hmm. I finally escaped college um, having majored in art history and anthropology. So mm -hmm. with, with either of you, and actually for you too, when you realized you wanted to have a career in the arts, was there a day you had to come out to your parents and go, <laughs> I'm going to major in art. I'm going to be a theater major and be an actor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, so my uh, my, my dad, my, my parents were actually great with it because I studied church music. And my dad was a pastor. And so for them, it was like, oh, you're going to be a church music director. It's like, oh. <laughs> You know the shiny <laughs> apple in my eye kind of thing, so it was an easy coming out for me in that in yes. that sense. But now, when I started with Disney Entertainment and then started my own nonprofit, that was a little bit different. <laughs> but in the beginning, church music, they were actually pretty happy about it. Yeah. How about you guys? 
Um, I think my parents held out until the bitter end <laughs> that I would end up going into the medical field, which is where everybody else in my family has pretty much gone. Oh. Um, but I think they uh, they kind of knew where it was going because it was the only thing that I could talk about. It was like, you know, my birthday, Christmas. Um, I wanted art books and art supplies. Yeah. And if you were not in the art field, what do you think you would be doing? Would it be something in the medical? Like, is that would would that be the next thing oh, oh my gosh i've never actually imagined myself doing anything else um, i love that answer I, yeah, I love yeah that answer. that's when you're destined <laughs> yeah oh gosh you know if i i'm actually a terrible singer but i guess if i, I was just thinking fantasy careers i i would be like a pop star yeah <laughs> i love it and you got the last name for it so boo <laughs> yeah. yes. how about you Elizabeth? what do you think you would do if it if art wasn't your your thing i really don't know it's it's hard to even imagine what my life would be like without it. Um, I didn't really think of an, any other alternative. So um, it's I think, always been I think something Anna I think would be very happy to hear her team say, I can't imagine myself I doing do. anything else than think, what I'm doing right I now. I think a career in the arts is a calling. And that's why most people will say, I just can't. There was nothing else I could do. Mm -hmm. My mother, when I told her I was going to be a theater major, <laughs> said, you better marry rich. <laughs> <laughs> so I married an artist. <laughs> you took her advice well. Look I at did. that. I'm very rich. I truly am. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, with that said, we, we, do, we have to come back after this break, but we want to find out a little bit more about what's going on now at the museum and what people can come and expect. We'll be right back, everybody. Joshua Vickery, myself, Mary Thompson Hunt on From the Heart. everyone you're listening to magic 107.7 fm i am mary thompson hunt here with my astute sagacious and wise erudite <laughs> co-host joshua vickery and we are speaking today with representatives from cornell museum of fine arts at rollins we've got elizabeth coulter and louise bio and having a great conversation in fact while we were just off the air for a moment there we were talking about um ways that you listeners or anyone could cultivate uh being more curious and so we said, let's wait till we hear what you both say about that <laughs> till we're back on the air. So cultivating curiosity, how might one go about that? Well, I work with kids, Mary. So for me, um, I get a lesson in cultivating curiosity just by interacting with them. Kids are not shy about being curious and there's no, there's no obstacles in the path of their curiosity. Their curiosity is how they make sense of the world. Mm. Um, they use all of their abilities to observe and then their ability to ask questions to kind of figure out what's going on. Right? Do you have a fun memory of a moment when someone, one of your children had an aha moment or? Um... Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see, what's a recent one? Um, I had, oh, I had a very moving moment with uh, the Foundation for Foster Children. Oh, we do a special family day for them. And we were looking at this sculpture by Rena Banerjee and she uses a uh, great deal of found objects in her sculpture. So the particular work that we have at the museum is like a bird cage that has driftwood and shells and feathers and gourds. 
and porcelain doll heads attached to it. Mm. And uh, there's a lot of really fun ideas about like migration and moving and um, keepsakes that are associated with this particular work of art. And we were talking about this, you know, what we do, what we collect, what what is important to us. And, you know, foster kids, they will move from home to home. So we had one child who, like, raised his hand and he talked about um, his desire to collect rocks and things from places that he has lived in. And um, he was talking about, like, all the little bits of paper that he finds um, on, like, the side of the road or... Um, on the floor at school and he would pick up the ones that he thought like they just were attractive to him for whatever reason and I think there was like a light going off for his foster <laughs> parents they were like realizing that this behavior was like his desire to connect oh. with the world and to like find himself in like you know in the places where he was going to school or where he was living and to create for himself like a personal history by mm. having this collection yeah and it was so, like, his explanation for it was just so well thought out. And you're thinking, like, here's a seven-year-old, and they understand, you know, how they're, want to be, they're wanting to be present in the world, and they're thinking about their own personal history. And mm. this is, like, a thought process that maybe adults would be like, oh, I don't think kids feel that way or think that way. And it was so deep and wow. moving, wow. and that was a really wonderful experience. I, I don't think there was a dry eye in the museum as soon as he was finished talking about it because it just hit people. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's the same thing that was moving the artist in different ways. Like, here was a seven-year-old who was experiencing the same kind of desires and this, this want to create something. Wow. That's, That's so cool. You, we have these aha moments on our show, Mary. <laughs> yeah, that was one yeah, of them. Yeah. But you said something, I don't think, remember the exact wording you said, but when you talked about, you know, um, kids becoming curious or cultivating curiosity and how they haven't uh, really um, set their own boundaries or their own identities or their own impressions yet. They're still very impressionable. I guess that's a negative and a positive. They haven't quite figured out who they're going to be. But then that also lends itself to really being able to truly be curious. They, mm-hmm. they're they all, you know, they're still trying to figure out who they are. So when they come into an art museum, they look at it with no boundaries, right? Yeah, they like, haven't sorted out. They haven't sorted like, out Like, this yet. is bad and this is good. Or right. I shouldn't do this or I should do that. Or I, this isn't something I want to think about. They just kind of are with us and observing. And, and sometimes art, you know, adults walk in and go, I don't like abstract art. I know I don't like abstract <laughs> art. So you walk in going, I don't like abstract art. And you're not even open to the fact that abstract art might move you, right? Mm-hmm, or like, yeah. I don't like drab colors. I only like things that are bright. Yes. But kids, they haven't figured all that out yet. Yes, so they're yeah. still open to whatever might a blank move canvas. Them. A blank canvas. Mm-hmm. I love that. So what about adults? Is that true? Like, do people come in and tell you right up front, like, here's what I like and here's what I don't like? Show me, show me the the um, the bright color section of your museum, right? <laughs> like, do they do that? Yeah, it it happens. There's there are adults that come through that come directly for a specific exhibition and only want to spend time in there, and that's fine. I mean. Everybody can make the museum the own experience that they want to, but I always encourage our visitors to also be open-minded and try and break those boundaries a little bit. Um, So sometimes if I create a tour that I know they're there mostly for that one exhibition, but I'll, you know, towards the end of the tour, start introducing some new concepts and see if they can, you know, test their horizons and see what else that, 
there might be something that they don't know they like. Um, so leading with questions, trying to follow that childlike curiosity that's maybe buried deep and not be afraid of looking stupid or acting silly around an art that may make them feel a little more uncomfortable. Any reaction is really a good reaction. Making connection. Any reaction, yeah. Yeah, we make a lot of connections because our collection is so large. We can display things, uh, more historical pieces next to more contemporary works of art. And so connections happen between those things because, you know, there's a long line of people who are looking at the work of other artists and responding to it or thinking about the same things at different eras. Um, Those same questions come up, like, what is the purpose of making a work of art? Mm -hmm. Uh, What are we trying to say? Uh, You know, we have, for example, take landscapes. Landscapes, we have landscapes on display right now. Um, We have landscapes from the 19th century on display. You think that everything about a landscape has been answered in the 19th century? No. (laughs) There are artists today who are still tackling questions about the landscape. So Mm -hmm. showing people, I think, this is the work that was in the past. This is something that people are, this is an idea that people are still tackling today. Mm -hmm. And then helping them to kind of create that connection can make some of the most resistant people (laughs) curious about something that maybe they didn't think that they would be curious about. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to say I need to go back to the museum because right now they have uh, an exhibition on landscapes. Oh, wow. And I love landscape and nature. That's my favorite, not to put (laughs) myself in a box, but it it is my favorite. My whole house looks like a a cabin with mountains and um, all these different paintings. It's beautiful. But um, what what will one experience when they, what are the types of paintings um, that they might experience with this exhibition that's happening right now in the museum? Yeah, so our museum, in addition to having the permanent collection on view, um, we offer exhibitions that rotate seasonally. So we have uh, fall exhibition season, spring, and summer. So right now we're in the middle of our spring exhibition season. And one of our really exciting exhibitions is titled Towards Impressionism, Landscape Paintings from Corot to Monet. Mm. And this exhibition is actually coming to us from the Musée des Beaux-Arts in Reims, France. And it was organized in part from the Art Center Basel. Um, And what you would find in this exhibition are landscape paintings of 19th century France. And artists. Monet. Yes, Mm -hmm. we have a Monet. It's very exciting. That is very exciting. We have Pizarro and Renoir. Wow. Dropping big names. Yes. Yeah. You know, wow. t- speaking of curiosity, l- listeners, you should go just to say you've been in the same place with a real Monet yeah. or a real Renoir, right? Like, yeah. that's a cool... We're talking original. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, w- how many pieces are in this collection? There are 45 works on display currently at the museum, and the majority of them have never been exhibited in the, U- in the United States. Wow. Um, say that again. Yeah. The majority of these works are the first time we're viewing them in the United States. And we're the only venue on the East Coast. After us, after April 8th, it goes to the Fry in Seattle. Wow. So, so. this now between now and April 8th is when yeah. people can come for free. Yep. Mm-hmm. For mm. free. I feel like that's still, we you know, we've talked about before, but it's still such a best-kept secret that we have this beautiful museum right here in our backyard that has really incredible exhibitions um, completely for free. Parents, if you're listening to this, you have an opportunity to bring your children and have cool conversations about these these paintings, really, and and the work there. What a great thing you could do this weekend, even on 
well, next Sunday because you're listening Sunday night, but bring them. Yeah. yeah and you also have uh, a picturing war exhibition. So yeah. tell us a little bit about that. So these are all works from our permanent collection, and it was curated actually by our senior art history fellow, uh, our Hicks fellow, Margaret Milford. And this project shows images of war and the United States involvement of war from 1918 through the current day. Mm. Um, And in addition to that, we have another special exhibition titled Rhea Burdell Devotion. And Rhea Burdell is a contemporary artist practicing in Boston, and it's their first solo exhibition in a museum. So we're really excited to be a part of their history as an artist as well. Um, So from war to landscape (laughs) to uh, the ruptures and remnants, which is stuff from your permanent collection, there's just a variety of things that we can experience when we come to the Cornell. There's something for everybody. And Louise, tell us about the Alphon too, because the Alphon Inn is this awesome boutique hotel right there near you and you guys have a permanent collection in the Alphon is right uh, as well right yes the um, Alphon collection of contemporary art is a part of the Cornell's permanent collection and it's over 300 works of uh, contemporary art and when we say contemporary we really do mean like work that has for the majority um, been created in the last 20 years although mm-hmm. we do have some older pieces included in that and uh that collection is just incredibly special. Um, we have works by Latino artists, by black artists, by female artists, uh, LGBTQ artists. And so uh, there's a great deal of diversity there. And it's wonderful to see the work that is being created now, the questions that artists are asking now. And the Alphondin is a completely different venue. Mm-hmm. You know, in addition to coming to our museum, you can now go to this boutique hotel. It's beautiful. It really is lovely. Yes. Uh, food is great there. They have an excellent <laughs> bar. I can't tell. Haven't you been, Mary, oh, to yeah. one of the tours? You went to a happy hour tour, didn't you? I didn't go to a happy hour tour. I actually went and took a tour with a friend of mine. We just went ourselves and, and walked oh, around. It, yeah. Went all through the hallways. Yeah, of- it lends itself wonderfully to self-exploration. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. And if you look at the labels, there's like an audio guide that you can listen to with your phone. So mm-hmm. you don't even need Elizabeth wow. or I there to <laughs> explore on your own. That's awesome. But yeah. if you wanted to full, full tour, there there's Sundays at one o'clock. Yep. And then also you have a happy hour tour on the, f- the first Wednesday of the month at five thirty. Exactly. By happy the end of that tour, tour everything's good. abstract. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about curiosity. There we go. So what else are we missing? What else is happening at the museum that you want our listeners to know, Elizabeth? Um, I think that they can volunteer. Addition, you mentioned that yes, earlier. You can volunteer. You can reach out to me. You can reach out to my colleague, Louise. Both our information is on the website, um, rollins.edu slash CFAM. But I also wanted to let you know that in addition to our C Family Days or programs that are geared towards children, we also offer programming that happens on Tuesday evenings um, on special Tuesdays. Uh, so coming up, we actually have a lecture on February 20th mm. with Melissa Geppert. Um, and if you're interested in also hearing more from what will that lecture be on that lecture is about uh, it's titled Assembling Publics slash Reserving Rights, Civic Engagement in Contemporary Art. Um, and Melissa Geppert is an art historian and works at UCF. Uh, so that will be a great lecture. We and also what have date is that Tuesday February 20th at 6 p.m. Fantastic. Yeah. And, and we have the artist Rhea Burdell coming too on March 20th, which will be great um, to hear them speak about their practice in relation to the exhibition. 
we're also going to be involved with the Winter Park Sidewalk Art Festival this year. So um, on March, Friday, March 16th and Saturday, March 17th, we have extended hours. Oh. So for anyone who is, you know, yeah. um, wandering around Winter Park Sidewalk Art Festival, we will also we're arranging for shuttles to take, uh, yeah, oh, to take visitors great. from uh, Winter Park Sidewalk Art Festival to the museum see the Monet and then yeah. go back to local. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I love oh, that. Nice. And then in April, you're going to be having some of the student artists from yeah. Rollins, right? Yeah, uh, student display. and faculty show will oh, be wow. no on view from April 13th through May 13th. That's awesome. So Rollins.edu slash slash. CFAM. CFAM. What is CFAM? Is that like Cornell Fine Arts, Arts Museum. Museum? Oh, I was like thinking like family. Short for family. But yeah, <laughs> but it kind of is like that. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, Louise, um, who do you want to give a shout out? Um, maybe another staff member, a rock star volunteer. Who do you want to say thank you to? Oh, gosh. Um, I want to say thank you to my coworkers, Sandy, Dina, Austin, Adam, and of course, my awesome boss, Anna. And uh, I want to say love to my student assistants, um, Haley and Isaac, Pilar, uh, Maisie, uh, Jordan, everybody who just gives their time and their love to the museum. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Elizabeth, one person, give a shout out. <laughs> oh, I think pl- we're being we have to out. mention Hint, too. <laughs> Hint. Yes, Hint. Hint. Oh, we love Hint. Happy <laughs> birthday, Hint. Hint's birthday was Friday. Lots of people oh. who make the Cornell Fine Arts Museum run. So go and check Anna, it out. Anna, you represented really well with these two ladies today. Thank you for sending what them. What a jewel. Mm-hmm. And it's free. I love that. Free. Mary, next time. I love today's Next chat. week, it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Join us back here, same time, same place, from the heart, magic, 107. 7.7 FM.